I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. Got our season two closer. Yeah, this is it. We're, we're done. Here. Season two. Um, because we're finished, are there any stories that you've left on the table, like a breakfast story or something that you thought you might end up telling this season, but it just never really came up? Yeah, I have a gazillion teeny tiny stories. I'll tell this one. It's not, it doesn't have much of a plot, but for some reason I think about it like once a month. Okay. Um, Perfect. It was a Sunday and I went to a donut shop with some of my pals and there was a, a man holding the, the tiniest baby. Like it seemed too young to be out. And he asked this baby, you could tell that I was looking at it with baby loving eyes, you know, uh-huh. as <laughs> he, you would. Yeah. And he told the baby to shake my hand and she <laughs> stuck out her hand no. and shook it. It was, um, like a, it was like a fever dream, but was it was fantastic. Say, was this a donut induced fever dream? It was a donut induced too much fever dream. And it, the baby started. To- it truly happened. And I think about it all the time. It really <laughs> left a mark on my heart. <laughs> They trained the tiniest baby. Didn't speak yet, but it could <laughs> shake strangers' hands. I mean, I've heard that about like sign language uh-huh. that like kids can learn that before they can learn words sometimes. Uh-huh. So, but shaking hands—that's pretty. Yeah, that's that's the story that I just felt like I should say out loud. That's a good, good party <laughs> trick. It doesn't really have a lot to do with the breakfast. The Mm-mm. breakfast just kind of cool just happens to be there. The cozy setting was helpful. The fact, cause I feel like there's a, a little bit of a magic to being in a donut shop on a That's Sunday true. morning. Yeah. So the whole picture was just quite cozy. Yeah. It does feel like a community. There's some, there's a vulnerability to going for breakfast. Cause I think a lot of people go, like they just throw on whatever clothes are lying closest on the floor. And that was the case for us. So <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting magic. <laughs> yeah. There's a kind of community moment to going to pick up the donuts. I love that. Uh, well, I have a sad story. To counteract my baby shaking story. (laughs) Go from the magic of a handshaking baby. Uh, Did you learn the baby's name? No. We can make one up, though. (laughs) Yeah, what would you call (laughs) it? That's right. That seems seems right. Um, So this is actually, this is a sad breakfast story. But you may remember that we went to a diner and had breakfast in our first season. A road trip podcast. One of two, I think, that we had. Yeah, you came over to Columbus and we filmed a couple... uh, we recorded a couple things around town. Yeah. And we went to a tiny little hole in the wall diner called Gina's. And Gina's was special to your parents. It was part of their routine. Correct? Yes. Yeah. It was like, uh, has my parents, cause my mom had Alzheimer's, my dad had lung disease and has, they were getting sicker. You just start to realize that like, not every place is welcoming to people who have different abilities or who are suffering. Mm. And so it started to become like clearer to me, like what places were, safe and easy to take them. Mm. And Gina's was super welcoming, partly just because it was easy to get in and out. Right. So there was accessibility because it was never very crowded. They didn't play music there. You might've noticed that like we could hear, remember we could hear them shouting out order up. Yeah. All of the conversation. You're right. You could hear, you could eavesdrop on people talking. Mm -hmm. And so, but it was helpful to my mom because with Alzheimer's, she would 
she'd have to really tune in to hear what you were saying. So if there's music playing, it was harder for her at other restaurants to, to kind of tune in. And also just the servers were super nice uh, to us and very gracious, you know, and uh, that's the place where the one server, I think, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but the one server told my dad, I'll pray for you. But mm -hmm. just so you know, I only pray on Wednesdays. I do yeah, remember I that. I don't that. remember if it was on mic or off mic, but yeah. I know that story. And they were just very good. Like they could, they figured out that my mom would get her words mixed up and she might order the wrong thing. And so they were very gracious with that. Uh, and so it was just like a, a super safe environment for us when, when not a lot of places were easy to get in and out of. Um, and it just had really good breakfast. <laughs> like the, they had these pecanos that were really good and they had really good bacon Very iconic breakfast. Yes. And so it was like that classic hole in the wall, like just didn't look like anything if you drove by it and then you go inside and it's got all this charm and, and good food. Uh, and they made it through the pandemic. And so I was, as I saw them kind of making their way through the pandemic, I was like, okay, they made it, you know, a year into having less people and they're doing carry out and they're doing all this stuff. Like if they made it this far, like they're going to hold on. And I was still, I would go there after my parents died to kind of like feel closer to them. Uh, the word I would use for it is like portal. Like it felt like a door, you know, that yeah, I could kind of sit that there. The same, probably. Yeah. I could just kind of sit there and almost time travel a little bit and think back. Cause we had so many conversations that were fun and that were you know, kind of important in Gina's. And so it remained a safe space. Exactly. Yeah. And so I could, and like my nervous system has been through so many things that it was like nice to go there and know that they were, they were, they knew I was going to get scrambled eggs and bacon and white mm -hmm. toast every time. Um, and yeah, there was just a lot of comfort there. And, uh, a few weeks ago, um, a friend texted me that condolences because Gina's uh, was closing. Oh man. And I didn't know. Yeah. Like it was funny. Cause I had had this, like I would every would just once in a while, just get this, like this impulse, like it's time for me to go to Gina's. Like I need to go sit there for a while. And a lot of times I would go there and journal or I'd go there and like think through certain like things that I need to process. And so I'd been having this feeling like I need to go there and I got her text and I was like, Oh no, I can't go there. <laughs> that's the portal is closed. Mm. Like, and I, I got it late at night and I was tempted to just like jump in the car just go to see it for it. myself. Mm. Yeah. I was able to, I did wait a couple of days, but I did go just to see it. It was, there was some kind of like grieving process I needed to go through mm -hmm. uh, to lose Gina's. Uh, but I say that just to say, like, if you have a favorite place, go there a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> and tip them really well. Right. And like, but if you can afford it to get the pecan roll extra once in a while, just do it. Because I think they, you know, they're from what I've heard, their lease went way up and, you know, they were just kind of getting through, you know, to keep paying the bills through the pandemic. So, um, and like a lot of people's habits have changed. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of these places expected everybody to just come right back, but it's not quite working that way. Yeah. You know, people it's going to take more time. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you have a place you love, uh, keep, keep going there yep. and, and think of them as a place that needs your support and your, uh, and your, your money, but it's not just your money, right? Like I think as much as it was a personal loss to me, there was a whole family behind right. that business, yes. you know? And there was a lot of people who went there, the funny thing about the last time I was there, this was my last time at Gina's. I was meeting my friend uh, Chelsea there. And before she got there, I accidentally said, how you doing to a guy? 
who was like at a table across the diner. Uh-huh. Like he was all the way up. It's not a very big place. So you could kind of yell across the thing. And yeah. like, he's the only other guy there. So I just said, how you doing? And then he proceeded to tell me how his colonoscopy went the day before. <laughs> Look, now that's a safe space. Yeah. Gotta feel comfortable to talk across the. Yeah, but I think there were a lot of people who went there for to be known. Where everybody knows your name. Exactly. It was like a morning, a morning bar mm-hmm. in that way. Of like, it offered genuine community to people, and so I am, I'm grieving the loss of of Gina's, but also thinking through just what we lose when we lose those places. Absolutely. Um, and also think it did validate this podcast. Yes. Because I, you, you really, know, you felt the meaning. Yeah, a part of our deal. Feeling the loss, yeah. but it's like breakfast matters. Not just breakfast, but food and and being around a table together. There's always more happening than what we can see. Mm-hmm. And so those places that we love, um, or those little things that happen, right? The baby, right? Mm-hmm. Those little things that happen when we're in space together. I think if there's anything we've lost over these last couple, lots of things we've lost, right? But one of the things have just been these like random encounters, you know, we just haven't had those as much. And there's something so surprising and gracious in just being weird together sometimes. So, um, Hopefully this will be a little bit of a tribute to that. Yeah. <laughs> this our, season is dedicated. Yeah. Gina's diner. Yeah. Um, my hope is that they'll find another lease somewhere and maybe reopen, but that's just my, my hope for them. So we'll see. Um, so we made our way through the gospel. Yes. Uh, any, I mean, I think the hard part about what was, I'll say about me, for me, this season was trickier to me than talking about acts because acts is it feels to me like a book nobody really reads. Mm. So it feels like most of what we're talking about or saying is fresh to us even, you know, cause it's mm-hmm. like, these are not stories you spend a lot of time yeah, with. Yeah. As you're, as you're speaking. But with Jesus, it's like most of these, even if they're not ones we've read or thought about a lot, they're kind of in the ether. Right. There are a lot of, a lot of Jesus stories are sort of known by a lot of people. Bible canon. And you feel like everybody's talked about them to death. Uh, Anything that you saw on this way through this like round through the story of Jesus that stood out to you? Yeah. The thread that I kept kind of sitting with and thinking about a lot after each episode that we recorded is um, I feel like at some point in my journey through what being a Christian should look like, I decided that it means always um, appeasing people, always making everyone around you feel Hmm. good. And I think that still is a part of it in a certain way, but I really was paying attention to all of the disruption that Jesus caused and all of the ways that he acted in the way that was right, but still frustrated people around him. So it was a little bit of a wake up call. I feel like I might've been overcompensating for the fact that I feel like a lot of Christians have been more controversial, like Christianity as a whole has ruffled feathers. So I felt like my version of it needed to um, appease it. So there's just this, I, I don't know. I've just been chewing on that a lot. About yeah. What that means. I love that. I think that's a very big deal in Jesus' story because we have heard them so often. They don't feel as disruptive to us. It just feels like what happened. Yeah. And what it, we all know. And, and I think also when you actually just sit with the text, you see that more maybe than when it just kind of lives in the ether. Because we tame it, I think a lot of times we tame what Jesus did, and we don't see the way that it was frustrating, um, or the way that it was revolutionary. Uh, I think that's a big giant deal, and I think in our own yeah, 
so much of what we're taught is to make peace. Mm-hmm. But some of the way that Jesus made peace was to make conflict first. Right. To, to get a longer lasting peace on behalf of other people or even the people that thought it was frustrating. Right. Yeah. Even, even Jesus having, um, going to Zacchaeus's house. Yes. The fact that it, a moment like that frustrated people around him. Yeah. I just, I don't know. All, all those stories just yeah. add up to saying that making peace yeah. looks different than how I've been understanding it recently. I think Luke, I think he does an extra good job at like throwing in these little lines. Like, so some story like that will happen that we've turned into like a charming kid's song, Mm -hmm. but like Luke makes sure to tell you like, by the way, in the background, there were people who thought this is even more reason to kill him. Mm. You know, like he's, he kind of adds those little notes in like how people were like murmuring or complaining about the things that Jesus was doing. Um, yeah, that's a big giant thing to sit with. I think, uh, I was struck this time through about how many, how many people have an encounter with Jesus and then that's all we hear about them. You know, Mm -hmm. like we don't get to know the rest of their story. Like they have a healing moment and then they go home. Like what did the next five years look like? Yeah. What was that afterwards? Or, um, and I think maybe it appealed to me because sometimes that's how we experience God is like, we might have these glimpses, right? We might have these moments where God does feel more present present and more pressing to us. And then it might feel like God disappears, right? And so it's like holding on to those glimpses. Because um, maybe some of these people felt like, did that even really happen? You know, mm-hmm. did that even was that even real? And we don't know like what it was like for everybody. Jesus just kind of comes through and disrupts. Mm -hmm. And, but maybe for some of them, it was like lasting enough. Right. And certainly that's a part of why I think keeping Luke next to acts is important because then you get to see how all these people do go on to like hold on really tightly to that community and to that sense of the spirit of God moving around them. Um, so I think it's been helpful to me to read this, the two together uh, a little bit. Uh, so speaking of Bible stuff, I don't know. Uh, I shared this with you. I saw this. It was a graphic that came out from, I think, the the Bible Society of America or something. I'm making up that name. Sounds important. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it confirmed a thing that uh, if you pay attention to these things at all, it confirmed this sense that people are just reading their Bible less. Right. Mm -hmm. And not even just less, like radically less. Yeah. Like a lot less, especially just in the last year, there was a huge drop in, and they weren't even measuring people reading it like daily. Like when their survey question was like, have you read it a few times a year on your own outside of a church setting? And the numbers of people just reading scripture for their own sort of growth or for their own development was way, way down. Did you find that? Was that surprising to you to hear? I would say, I know I, I processed a couple of different things at the same time. Cause you would think during COVID people had more time yeah. um, in a lot of ways. But when I was reflecting on how I've experienced COVID, I've had a lot of trouble with anything that feels like meditative mm-hmm. or like slowing down. I feel like the moral of the story has been distraction and like overstimulation. Yeah. So I, that's sort of how I've, um, made that made sense of the fact that people are reading their Bible less is, yeah. it just takes time to slow down and be with the chaos of your 
head a little bit yeah. when you, when you do that. I mean, that, that felt true to me. Yeah. I'm not sure. How did you process that information? Yeah. A few different ways. I, I think what you're saying is right. Cause there, but there were also people who didn't have any time, you know, I think of like my friends who have young kids mm. where everything they thought about their world kind of fell around them. And yeah. all of a sudden these kids who they were, they maybe had a school schedule they were used to is now gone and it changed every six weeks because of different regulations or restrictions. Um, so some people had no time. That's super true. But I think the people who did have time, I think you're right. It was like, I have all this time and all this space and I don't want it, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> or like I wanted it for a while, but then it just started to be like a torture. Don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I have had, I've heard a lot of people talking about, it's probably because I say it first. <laughs> I say, have you had trouble with your attention span lately? Oh, yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of people are saying yes, either because that's real or they're just trying to make me feel better. Because I, I feel like I can't, it's hard for me to sit still and just do one thing. And I, I think that's because I remember hearing about something to do with like when we feel stress, we don't have a, we need to displace it. We mm -hmm. need to act on it. And when we can't do it, we'll just will fidget, right? Mm -hmm. Or or like, I'll, even if I'm just trying to watch a movie that I really want to see. Right. It's like, I have to have a second screen. I have to also have my phone playing game or like, I can't give anything my full attention. I feel a lot of relief in hearing somebody else empathize with that because <laughs> yeah. I've been frustrated with myself for that very thing. I yeah. used to really pride myself in being able to be very content easily. And it just is not, it's it hasn't been the case for a long time now. Yeah. And even with reading, I've, I've always loved reading, but even with that, I feel like I'll start a book and I'll start five more books mm -hmm. and I'll get like the same, like I have probably four books sitting on my shelf that I've gotten four chapters to this, in. like a quarter <laughs> in to each of them. Yeah. Oh, me too. Uh, and so I just can't do it for very long. Like I can sit still, like it's just, it's almost like we need to retrain ourselves because I do think there's so much nervous energy and just that anxiety that's in us that we, even if we don't know how to talk about it, it's like in our body. Um, so yeah, I think that explains away some of that impulse. You know, I also think we're in a world where I keep going back to the, the Marvel universe. Like everybody understands the Marvel universe, but then they talk about the Bible being too complicated. And I'm like, <laughs> the Marvel universe is complicated. If you can understand that Marvel universe, <laughs> like the Bible is so easy. Uh, but I do think it's true that like, in addition to like all the pandemic factors, I think there's just, it's just true that people are, don't know what to do with scripture, that it can be confusing or intimidating. And that's why I like the way we're doing this. of so like reading it as a story. Uh, Cause ultimately I think what scripture offers us is a frame to put around the things that happen, right? It does offer us a way to see the suffering we've been through or a way to see loss or anxiety or stress or a way to see disruption um, and a way to see peace that is different uh, than maybe we would see on our own. And so I, I think it's really important that seeing that graph like hurt my heart, you know, like I was like, I understand it. Um, but I also believe we really need it. And I especially think we need to sit pretty regularly with the story of Jesus. Um, so we're going to come back for a third season, right? Buckle we're committing, up. we're saying it out loud. Uh, so now, now we have to, now we have to do it, but we're going to go backwards, right? Cause the theme of that's <laughs> the theme, what we do. The theme of our podcast is to go backwards. So we're going to go back to the OT, to the Hebrew scriptures. And I'm kind of excited about it because I feel like the, this game we play of like, what would the people eat for breakfast? Uh, there's some wild folks 
in those Old Testament stories. We might get some funky breakfast out of it. I think so. (laughs) And I think what's interesting is like the Hebrew scriptures really does focus on the humans. You know, you get a lot more information about the people involved. Whereas like we just get these glimpses of these people Jesus interacts with. So we might, you know, meet the woman whose back has been bent over for years and then she goes away. We don't learn a bunch. Whereas like we have like long, you know, several books on the life of David. Mm. Right. And then everybody who interacted with David, we have all this narrative information. More pressure to pick the right breakfast. That's right. It's going to be <laughs> really complicated. Uh, but I love that the emphasis really is on the human story. And then God is sort of this voice in the sky, this like mystery they're trying to, to understand better. Um, and so I think it'd be good for us to, to play with the, the people in the old Testament a little bit, uh, in our next, next installment. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you're comparing it to Marvel because the first Marvel movie that I saw was Endgame, the final Avengers movie. (laughs) And now I'm starting over from the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And kind of learning about what led up to that grand finale. Yeah, it's a different way of understanding Uh it, right? So we might be able to see even the story of Jesus might come to life. One of the things I just uh, read not too long ago is that if you want to know what Jesus was thinking, then you have to read the Hebrew scriptures Mm. because a lot of people think they don't match. Like the God of the old set, the voice from that sky sounds like wrathful and angry and so gets so frustrated at the humans. Um, and, but, but this person I was reading said that you got, that's maybe what was happening inside Jesus, even though he acts in mercy, that that frustration at the world, not being what it could be was inside Jesus and operative in Jesus. Um, but you have to kind of read the old Testament to get any sense of that because mm. he's so merciful and gracious. So I think we'll keep that in mind as we, as we dig our way through. And so reading backwards will be, so our end game will be our, our beginning. Something like that. Yeah. It's deep. Yeah. All right. We're going to get, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to get a quote sticker. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next year uh, or next season. I don't know. If it'll be the year. Yeah. It might be, hopefully it'll be 2022. Yeah. Next round. <laughs> Breakfast Translation. Thanks for joining us.